Hello and welcome to the Pharma Forum podcast. I'm your host, Jonah Comstock, Editor-in-Chief of Pharma Forum. I'm joined today by Ralph Pisano, CEO of New Way Health, and Mike Waterbury, CEO of Goodroot. Goodroot is a community of companies, uh, which includes New Way, as well as Ralph's previous company, Remedy One. Uh, that's all, uh, uh, the whole community is focused around addressing healthcare costs, uh, in, including drug costs. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about some news about Humira Biosimilars availability, uh, some work that Goodroot has done on, uh, on assessing what impact that'll really make. And um, about New Way itself, which is a, a new uh, entrant to the to the market as of last month. So, welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, John. Appreciate you having us. Thank you, John. I appreciate being here. So, uh, let's start with Goodroot, just with the broad strokes. And Mike, maybe you can you can sort of sell us on. I mean, it's a really interesting. Um, it, it's a really interesting kind of, I guess formulation, this idea of a community of companies. And obviously, it's a really important mission. So, so what is Goodroot? How did it come about? And, um, and how does it operate as compared to like a parent company or something? Uh, uh, yeah, it's great, Jonah. Uh, I love talking about it. So we, um, Goodroot is a, is a family of companies with a focus of reinventing healthcare one system at a time. I think for healthcare veterans, you realize it's not a big bang approach to this thing. There's very complicated, very complex. There's a lot of inefficiencies. So if you don't really understand all the moving parts, you can do things that maybe fix one thing and break two or three other things. So what we've been set, uh, set out to do is continue to find those solutions and then strategically fit them together to eventually reinvent how healthcare works in the United States. Um, you know, I think one thing we try not to necessarily focus on too, too much is the clinical aspects of care. It's a very you know, we have great physicians and clinicians and pharmacists in the country. We obviously are involved in clinical evaluations and, and discussions, but we really stay sort of in like, how do you administer and pay for these, for all these things that people need in this country more effectively than we do today? And so Goodroot really came about. I mean, we, I started a company called Remedy One uh, in 2015. Uh, it's a rebate and formulary optimization company. So it's in the middle of how, Drugs are priced and paid for, and which drugs you can use, and how PBMs, pharmacy benefit managers, work. And so we started that business in 2015. Ralph quickly joined me with all his years of uh, expertise as a pharmacist and someone who's negotiated with pharma and understands that at a level that's top in the industry. And and we started down this path of just trying to create more transparency and better, lower costs, really better economics on how drugs are paid for. And we had a lot of success. And so about you know, three years later, we were like, how does this all fit into doing this, to fixing this system? And we we realized we had started another company called AlignRx that was doing some pharmacy consulting that we could keep doing this. There was a lot of people that had a lot of good ideas that knew where the problems were. They just needed a platform to come and, and basically bring those ideas to life. And so we created Goodroot. Um, and at this point, I've created nine companies in total um, and we kind of look at the world in terms of a pharmacy benefit and a medical benefit. It's you sort of have to live within the parameters that exist today. It's not maybe how you would look at it if you were designing it from scratch. But um, and what we're on our path to delivering on how drugs should be priced. And you'll hear a little bit more about New Way and, and New Way 
you know, it was really our effort after 25 plus years of being in this business and seven years of having Remedy One to put the old way behind us and move towards a new way in which drugs should be delivered to patients. Um, we're also working on a number of solutions on the medical benefit, including medical debt relief and financial assistance plans that work better, all leading to a better solution, a better health plan um, that incorporates all these ideas and hopefully delivers healthcare to Americans at half the price with um, an amazing experience, which unfortunately none of us really have today. So that's how we got here. Um, we're having fun doing it and we believe that New Way is the future for how drugs should be delivered to patients. Um, and we can talk a lot more about that today. Ralph, I'm going to get to you and New Way in just a minute, but one more question for you, Mike. Your background before this was at United Health Group, so you come from the insurance world. Um, how has that kind of informed this? Uh, you know, it, were there problems you saw that you wanted to solve but couldn't really in that in that role in that context? Or exactly, Jonah. I mean, I think there's a lot of people that you know we um, a lot of talented people that work in the healthcare administrative space, whether for an insurance company or a pharmacy benefit manager, and um, you know, the current model, we don't try to like, you know, say that anyone's doing anything wrong, but like the current model is not working, but you're challenged because your job is to perform a certain function in that model and you get recognized when you do it better. And so we, I personally did not, I, I was looking for more meaning in what I was doing. I was looking to create a legacy of creating affordable healthcare for as many people as I can in this country. And that's sort of what challenged me to do it. And then along the way, we've there are a lot of other people like that who not only want to work hard, um, have success um, financially otherwise, but want to have an important meaning in what they're doing every day. And so that's really what led us to Goodroot is we need to create this platform where others can, who know where the problems are and have good ideas can bring them to life here. So Ralph, maybe you can set the scene before we talk about New A. This drug pricing problem, it's its very, everyone's aware of it, but I think if you ask 10 people about the causes for it, you'd get 10 different answers where it's a very complicated situation. So how do, how do you see the problems around drug cost and then how how is this new company going to address these? So I think if we look back in history and see what the evolution of PBMs and how they interacted with pharmaceutical manufacturers, the, the early on intent was processing claims more efficiently and electronically and kind of bringing discounts to save money on premiums and patient out of pocket. Along the way, many PBMs uh, realize that they have a lot of leverage and power over pharmaceutical manufacturers. And if we were to build a system today, I don't think it would be what we want today, where it's a system of leveraging pharmaceutical manufacturers and there's this clear cut pattern you see, it has to be a very high cost list price drug in order for them to give the PBMs very big discounts, which drive a lot of revenue that they make on, on drug money. So um, I think it's an unintended, uh, unintended consequence to where we are today, but it is the system that we're in today. Um, and what we're doing uh, at New Way and what Mike was saying as a community of company, I look at it as a big puzzle, good route, and where that drug piece of that puzzle, and we want to be a fully transparent model, eliminate those middlemen 
hands that are out and and bring that money back to the patient and payer where it was originally intended to be and lower out-of-pocket costs to make drugs more affordable and accessible for patients in the United States. So what's the what's the game plan? How do you fit into the market? And then how do you kind of avoid some of the pitfalls that have you know happened to other companies that have tried to tackle this? Well, we're going up against a very powerful old way. <laughs> uh, no pun intended there, but um, you know, uh, a lot of uh, forces that are in charge are very happy with the current system. You know, many manufacturers have to deal with three organizations that control many of the prescriptions that flow through this country. Our differentiation is that we are fully transparent. We want to negotiate the best discount on list price for our patients. The target is self-funded employer groups right now, and eventually we hope that base will grow and um, move them away from the old system by lowering their overall spend on drugs and changing the benefit to what it used to be many years ago when we first started out in these low flat copays. So medications, especially these high cost biologics are very uh, uh, cost effective for these patients. You know, and the one thing to add really quick is that so like one of the things we do at Goodroot is we bring all perspectives to the table. So one of the perspectives that we found fascinating, which we talk to all the time, but in a way where they're free to kind of give what's really going on and what's happening. We had some of our sort of pharmaceutical executives that were sort of at the table when we were developing New Way. And one of the things we heard is that inside a pharmaceutical company, they look at the gross price, the gross list price, and then they manage themselves to the net money that they receive after they pay everyone in between them and the patient. That's all they care about. Gross to net was this term we kept hearing. And Sometimes it's a very it's a significant discount when you give out a big rebate and you pay for copay assistance and financial assistance and free drugs. And there's like seven or eight categories that go into this difference between their list price and the net price, right? And so the concept really was well, that's all they care about and access, right? And access comes from when a patient can afford whatever they owe and the drug is actually covered. Hopefully it works and it's important clinically. But we were like, well, how do we deliver the gross to net price directly to the patient? That's the concept, right? That's the big idea. And whoever can do that without having to pay any of the fees in between probably can reduce the drug price, we think, in excess of 60 65% across the board and eliminate all these challenges around changing formularies. And I was on this drug, and now I can't be on that drug. And... Even the idea that like maybe AbbVie pays a big rebate and the money goes to a PBM and then a PBM uses that to spread the money out on a discount across all drugs. Like it doesn't make any sense. Like if you have a rheumatoid arthritis, the net price of Humira should be what you pay. Like you shouldn't use some of the Humira money to reduce the cost of an oncology product because there's a guaranteed rebate. So the idea was like pharma wants this, doctors want the freedom to write what they think, the patient you know, how, you know, through their employer, otherwise it should be paying what this discount is without a lot of people in between them was really what our objective is and our goal is. And um, we have had some great success in that regard and on the path to being able to deliver gross to net price directly to the patient. 
So let's talk about Humira. You guys wrote this white paper, um, and uh, Ralph, you also wrote a piece for us on farm reform, which we sure do appreciate. Um, we'll, have, we'll have links to both those in the show notes. But looking over at myself, it, it seemed like the takeaway was that, you know, even though we've been waiting a long time for these biosimilars to be available and they, you know, theoretically should increase the supply and therefore decrease the price of the drug. That's probably not going to happen because of all of these middlemen, all of these negotiations, all of this stuff. So it seems like this could be kind of illustrative towards uh, towards exploring why drug prices are as high as they are. So, so walk us through those results a little bit. So, you know, Humira, a lot of hoopla, it's the largest selling drug of all time. Before that, you put into context, Lipitor was the king of drugs. Um, it's about $20 billion a year. Um, and as you can imagine, that list price of that drug has increased significantly from when it first came out. It's been on the market for over 20 years. And as the list price goes up and the, the rebates go up because the PBMs demand more and more, they make a bigger cut for that particular drug. Now, I will tell you, um, since 2017, there's been 40 some approvals of biosims on a market. And I would say that covers about 12 to 15 innovator drugs. It's multiple approvals per drug, mainly on the medical side. We haven't really seen a big drug like Humira on the pharmacy side. I would say Sembly for Lantus is one example that recently happened in, in 2021. Um, and what we typically see the pattern happen is um, most PBMs can't walk away due to a lot of reasons from the rebate dollars that are coming in. Um, they have to kind of do a staggered approach over time to do that. They make a significant money per claim. As Mike said, there's a lot of subsidizing of those dollars, not only for Humira guarantees to their downstream clients, but uh, across other drugs as well, too. So it, it's a big deal. Um, but when you look at biosimilars, people compare that to generic drugs on the traditional side. So when Lipitor goes generic, multiple after the exclusivity period, multiple drugs come, come out onto the market, and then that price point lowers down to about an 80% discount on generic, and it becomes very affordable for the patients when it was at $1.4, dollars $600 a month. Unfortunately, biologics are more expensive to make. They're very unique. Um, there's a lot of legislation around interchangeability, which is very clunky. It's not similar to, to the traditional side where you have a generic and it's automatically substitutable. It has to be a specific interchangeable designation, which costs a lot of money for a biologic manufacturer to get. There's a lot of forces that touch that specialty pharmacy, so on and so forth. So um, I, we have not seen traditionally when biosimilars come out onto the marketplace, these big, huge discounts, we see 25, 30% difference between the innovator product. Some of the um, older biosims were seeing greater discounts in the 60s at this point, um, and they are growing share on the medical side. Um, but it is our belief that we won't see that happen so quickly with Humira because of all the things we talked about. Um, you have to match copay cards. You have to be able to put uh, patient assistance and any of these clinical type programs for, you know, Abby has their complete care. Um, so if you're matching them, each of those things cost money. So they're going to keep the price of the drug up if they're going to compete head to head in the marketplace. 
The other thing is, you know, companies like Abvi pay money in rebates to uh, get formulary access. And, and we've talked about this, there's specific language when you're preferred and they're paying money, they're not going to be disadvantaged in the marketplace. So if you have, if companies do add the BioSim and they're competing against Humira, the innovative product, and there's no out-of-pocket difference for that patient, there may be some, but even if it's, uh, you know, still a $3,000 a month drug, it's still going to cost a lot for the patient out of pocket with a lot of high deductible. We don't believe you're going to see a lot of movement until someone has a strategy of preferring the biosims first and stepping it. And really, they're going to forego the rebates and the money um, or kind of putting it on a different tier at this point, meaning it's lower, uh, a generic tier, lower out of pocket or a preferential specialty tier where they pay less than when they would pay for a branded biologic. Can we understand these as like, sorry, go ahead, Mike. I was going to say to add, like one of the things that's really challenging and fascinating is that when a drug like Humira has so much market share, even a new entrant that comes in at a price point that you think is in the best interest of your client or your customers or the patients, you know, if something has 60, 70% of the share and you're getting X percent in a rebate, it's a big bet to say everyone's going to switch and I'm going to forego that money. And it might take me two or three years with grandfathering and all these other things to make that bet so that you're delivering a lower cost point, regardless of rebate or how you're doing it, just the price of the drug to your client. So the dynamic of like higher price, higher rebate, more profit, more competitive pricing you can deliver to your customer dominant market shares, bundled products. I mean, a lot of what AbbVie has done over time, right, is they've created new new products like Gyrizi and Revoke and others. And, you know, as the market share shifts to them, they have patent protection. So there's a lot of strategies for these companies to protect their financial position and their market share. And, um, you know, I think it creates a situation where it's just really at some level just not an open playing field where you can compete on price and drive the price down, which ultimately we believe is good for patients. So is this something that Newe with its model can help with? Sure. Yeah, that's exactly what we do, whether it's with the branded product or the biosim product is how do we make that drug more affordable for the patient? Um, and that's what our focus is in being transparent there, lowering ingredient costs for the payer and, and the patient. So in the case of a biosimilar, if the biosimilar comes out at a 70% discount, we're going to have upfront the discount for all the products and it'll get delivered directly to the patient at point of sale through their, you know, their insurance, which would include some kind of pharmacy benefit solution. But so whatever price you want to offer will get delivered minus some transaction fee that's not a percent of anything. Um, and you can pick what is in your best interest based on your benefit structure and what your physician wants. So we're going to create that dynamic in that situation where if they want to offer a product at a thousand dollars a month instead of three thousand, whatever the math is, um, that price will be delivered and should drive share, and it won't be predicated on rebates or anything else. And that 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 model is the one where we think is really what. And in some ways, Jonah, it's complete common sense. It's not rocket science. It's just someone's got to be able to do it. And the person that's the company that's able to do it has to be willing to forgo all those dollars. It's almost like, you know, when Apple replaced the Blackberries, right? It was like, you know, Blackberry didn't want to like give up their market share, but somebody else is willing to do it. And in this case, what we believe is 
obviously the patients are going to benefit from lower costs and more compliance with medications that they need. How similar is what you're up to to uh, Mark Cuban's Cost Plus that, that came out last year? Seeing definitely some parallels, um, but it seems to be more about direct to consumer as sort of the, the notion there. I'll go first, maybe. Um, you know, I think in principle, it's very similar, right? Like what we're saying and what we want to accomplish and the fact that we want to disrupt the space that we don't think is working for the patients. I mean, I think in practice, I think it's a little... Um, you know, without getting into the mechanics of how you do it, whether you charge, you know, a fee or you make the drugs or these types of things. I mean, it starts with having a desire and a commitment to do it differently, right? And drive down the cost and deliver that value to the patients and make a fee, but make sure it's reasonable and be transparent about it. So we're similar in that regard. I think the way we're going about it is a little distant. I mean, in our way, it's you know, maybe not really, I mean, we're going to get it directly to the patient through the current mechanism of playing for insurance through their employer, what have you, but we're going to sort of operate in a way that like can do it in the current system uh, without having to sort of, um, I don't know, play play ball in terms of, you know, the, the, the change from the existing game to the new game. I mean, it's probably not, but there's going to be a different mechanism for how we do it. Um, we're not going to be making drugs. We're not going to be charging a fee that may or may not be the right fee. Um, but I think there are some more similarities than dissimilarities. It's probably just how we're going to go about it. And Ralph, you can share some color more on that than, than I described. Yeah, and I agree with what Mike says. I, I would say the biggest, from my perspective, differentiation is most companies are focused on generic drugs, which is good. If you've ever worked for a health plan like Mike and I have, you know there is very low cost negotiated there. But the consumer in general, the GoodRx consumer or the Mark Cuban consumer, they wouldn't know those prices. It's very arbitrary when you walk into a pharmacy, even still till this day. Our focus will be on branded products. And um, as far as I know, I will be bold enough to say that I think we're the only company out there that is saying that we're going to negotiate similar to what they do on a generic size, that branded drug discount, even on specialty drugs, and bring that directly to the patient, whether it's to the consumer directly or through a, a PBM intermediary. So yeah, I think in some ways, Jonah, like we see the Mark Cubans of the world or even the Capital Rx's of the world, they should be customers of New Way because what we're going to deliver in terms of these relationships and contracts with the manufacturers, of which we already have some key ones, is exactly what they should be doing. And maybe they're sort of trying to get to the same endpoint, but without that strategic contractual relationship with the manufacturer that aligns with their objectives, it's still gonna be sort of this, who gets what, what's in my best interest, how do I make sure this happens? And some of these games will still exist. You know, covering digital health for a lot of years, one thing that I have always noticed is that companies that say we're gonna we're going to cut out the system entirely and we're going to we're going to sell healthcare like we sell everything else and people are going to go and and just buy their you know telehealth visit from us those companies usually don't uh do well or they end up pivoting to working within the system um just because people are so used to not paying for their healthcare in a straightforward way that they pay for everything else and it's a very hard behavior change and a hard sell I would just add to in telehealth, it's very limited how you can interact and engage with a patient. I mean, I think it's going to expand over time, but it, it needs to get better because it's hard to diagnose someone 
on a video and taking pictures. Yeah. I mean, I think it's true. I mean, even some very big companies like Amazon and others that try to get to healthcare find that they can't do it on their own without partnering with one of the big players. I mean, you have three players that control 90 plus percent share of the market. Um, and that's, you know, that will be the challenge, but I think in our, what we're going to be doing is delivering a net price point on pharmacy to employers for their employees. That will be more than half the cost of what they're paying today. And whether or not the broker can understand it or can communicate it, the benefit consultant, we're very prepared to try to find those right partners to deliver that. I mean, just think of a company that has like 100,000 employees. I mean, it's, uh, there's a lot going on in Silicon Valley, so maybe they don't have that many anymore. But like if you take like Google, for example, I mean, what does Google pay for Humera? I mean, 100 million? something like that, like 100,000 people is probably something like that, right? So if you come and say, you can have all your Humera at, you know, 20 million, you know, there's got to be a point where somebody says that's a good idea, we should do that, right? Like, and, uh, and we're focused in some real key areas where there's the most of the waste, the rheumatoid, or the autoimmune class in general, diabetes, and we were seeing a lot of activity with insulins, right? There's just areas where there's a lot of competition and where there's competition, there's a lot of rebates and there's a lot of difference between gross to net. So if you can get at, it's kind of like the 80, 20 rule, Jonah, if you can get at those two classes and deliver net pricing, you probably can deliver a pharmacy benefit at what 40% discount on what you're getting in today. And I don't know for the companies out there that are 500 employees trying to do what they're doing to whatever it is to provide healthcare for their, their, you know, their employees in this country, like that's material amount of money. And you just have to understand the distribution mechanisms and how to do that and have the right partners. But, um, you know, the, the, the big players will not want it to happen, but we're fortunately or unfortunately, we're very familiar with that, that issue. And we've been through it a lot. And so we feel prepared to take it on, um, not lightly, and we understand it won't be easy, but I think we're highly confident that if we get the right solution, um, we can deliver that value to the patients in the, in the current system that will eventually sort of just replace itself ultimately. Because the money is going somewhere, right? What, whatever the difference is between what the patients pay and what the pharma company actually makes is ending up in someone's pocket. And at some point, that person is going to say, hey, wait a minute, right? I mean, if you look at the big three, I won't name them. And I, I usually am directionally correct about my numbers. But last year, profit was $30 billion and me probably at least half from their PBMs. Hopefully those numbers are directionally correct. But when people look at that, it's like, I, I think sometimes people don't even know, like that's every single year. Like it's not just a boon because of COVID or something like that. Well, it grows every year. It's every year when you look at the financials of these companies, the healthcare piece is going down and the pharmacy piece is going up. And so at some point that's not sustainable, right? When you have a family premium that's, what's it on average today, $25,000, $26,000 a year. You know, you look out 10, 20, 30 years, you're talking about close to $100,000 a year with the way it's growing. Like, how do you have a workforce that pays $100,000 for their health care for their family? It's not obviously sustainable. So they're, the key, I think, what we're looking to do at Goodroot and with New Way is be 
in a position where we have aligned interest with the patient, we know what we're doing, we have real solutions, and then eventually, you know, they'll come because it has to happen. Otherwise, there's, you know, the system kind of topples on itself at some point. You know? So the whole drug price situation obviously hasn't escaped the notice of, of politicians. It was a pretty high billing in the State of the Union this year. There's been the Inflation Reduction Act and the mass panic in pharma about what that's going to do to how they operate around generics and everything. How, how do those efforts on the legislative side, on the, um, you know, with the negotiations interact with what you guys are doing? Is there a synergy there? Is it just kind of coming at it from different sides? Or I think I'm taking it first, Ralph, and then let you jump in. I think one of the things I think, Jonah, that like gets very complicated when you try, it's like kind of three ways things, big things change if you think about like maybe the cigarette industry. It's either legislation, consumer demand, or the court system, right? That's kind of the three ways that it happens. I think when it comes to drug pricing for the commercial market, you know, employers in this country, the issue you have, which nobody ever really sees through the fine print is the government has no authority over the commercial market, right? It's governed by ERISA and other laws, right? So they can't regulate how drugs are priced for employers. They can regulate in some way, shape, or form, and I won't, Medicare and Medicaid. And so the issue you have is Medicaid and Medicare, mostly Medicaid first, have the best price, literally. So the commercial market ends up being sort of the subsidy for pharma. So the more pressure the government puts on their pricing, their budgets, Medicare and Medicaid, the higher commercial goes. So what has to happen ultimately is like you have to kind of create legislation and logic, and which maybe we don't always do in, in Washington or what have you, that sort of shed light to what's going on, gives information, and then allows kind of the, the entrepreneurs of the world to sort of run with that and drive down price. So they can create certain things around transparency and otherwise that help the commercial market. But that's kind of why none of it really ever happens because it ends up being through like political pressure and influence and other challenges than really in being able to negotiate better pricing. So we see it as like, you know, when we took when a few years back when the president was in the Rose Garden saying rebates are going away, they're going to be all point of sale, nothing happened, right? A lot of work got done, but nothing happened. What we're saying is you don't really need rebates at point of sale. Just deliver the net price to the patient. And pharma wants that. They don't want to give everybody in between them and the patient the money. They just feel like they have to. And listen, they're not innocent either. They like when they give the money to the middlemen, they just raise the price, which hurts the patient even more. But they're like, well, I have to do it. It's not my fault. And so at some point, we think information, transparency, attention, media attention, data, that will drive to, to better outcomes. But I think the commercial market's still going to have to be delivered through some kind of like through New Way or other entities like Mark Cuban's entity or have you, because um, it just can't be regulated into existence. I mean, I guess you can put political pressure and negotiate and make things happen. That, that also happens. But Technically, when this thing people when the government talks about these changes, they're really not talking about commercial employers. They're talking about their own budget, Medicaid and Medicare. Yeah, I would also say too, like if you looked at what the the, the president is talking about insulin all the time, we're really referring to short-acting insulin 
A diabetic is often on two, three drugs, costing thousands of dollars, three, four thousand a month. If very small portion of the population are on those drugs, they still need relief on the other drugs, but no one's really talking about that. So when you say 70% reduction or capping at 35, it's a smaller population than what really needs. But there are other drugs that are being used first line now that cost $1,500, $2,000 a month that there is no price concession on. Um, and I would say, going back to what Mike was saying on gross to net, they're giving 50% discounts on these drugs, sometimes even significantly more. It's just going to the wrong places. It needs to get to the patient. So that's what we mean by they're doing it already. Now, how do you, what company is going to be first getting it to the patient at point of sale? And we believe we will be doing that first. And Jonah, one thing at the good root level, there's, there's certain areas that sort of like bring attention to things that we think things that can have an impact on change. And one of the things that we talk a lot about is medical debt. And we talk about it as like the failure of the system, because if someone accesses care, whether it's a drug or they go to a hospital or the physician for a certain, whatever they do, and they have, either they have insurance or don't, but let's say they do, because most of the debt are people with insurance and they end up bankrupt. Well, that's obviously an indicator of what's failing the system. And so I think what we're seeing is some really good activity by local and state government, and maybe the federal government eventually around helping people with that issue and starting to analyze what's causing the issue and then starting to do something about it. And, and we think drug pricing will come out of that in some ways. It'll be somewhere on the list of things that are causing that problem. So there's ways like that, I think, that will shed light and put pressure on certain companies and certain and, and this industry to do something differently. So we think there's like ways like that, that uh, to approach it that people can understand, you know, politicians can get behind, it helps constituencies who vote and everyone can be like, well, that's not right, that should change. And, and we hope that like some of that activity might stir on some drug pricing changes that uh, along with a whole host of other issues in the hospitals and everywhere else, so. So to, to bring us to a close here, let me kind of ask the big question. You're on this mission to transform healthcare, um, to solve a problem like this. I think so many people really, probably on some level, don't believe can be solved. You know, it's just so complicated, so entrenched. We've been talking about it and trying to do it for so long, and the drug prices just feel like they keep getting higher. So how do you guys, you know, internally within your organization, your your group of companies, think about like, this has a solvable problem. Do you think we'll be sitting around in 10 years saying, well, remember when drug prices were so ridiculous? Well, I think, Jonah, the first and foremost, you have to be committed to it. And I can tell you 100% that we are. I mean, because it's when I say that out loud, like, just put yourself in our shoes. Remedy One provided great value, and Remedy One's still around and still does provide great value for its customers and doesn't keep a lot of the money. But was very profitable and very successful the old way. So what kind of entrepreneur or business wants to cannibalize their existing business where they're doing very well and, and, and providing value for people, not, not just you know, making the system worse? So you have to have a commitment to do it. So that's first and foremost. And then you have to have a pretty detailed working knowledge of the problems. And so we have that and we have the commitment. So without those two things, you got no, you don't have a shot, right? And so um, those are really the two main drivers. I think when it comes to drug pricing, you know, we started Remedy One in 2015, it's 2023. So it hasn't been a short journey. You're talking about eight years of really hard work. 
Um, we've fought with some of the big players. Some of them don't really like us. Um, and we've learned a lot. And we believe that New Way is the solution. We have a technology platform that can deliver it to patients. Um, we're very familiar with all the players and how decisions are made. And, you know, we're looking at it saying, listen, the next five years, we better be able to do it because that's, you know, we can't just keep spending money forever to try to get there. But that's how we talk about it. So I think we're probably one of the only companies that's in that position. I mean, if you're a nonprofit raising money and trying to help people, that you're probably talking in similar terms, and that's a good thing too. But can you attract the talent? Can you put them in the right seat? Can you, you know, disrupt and be an entrepreneur? And do you have the relationships that you can leverage to make all this work? So it won't be easy, believe me. There's plenty of days I wake up and go, are we gonna be able to do this or not? But I do believe after eight years, and that's when we showed up, we had 20 plus years of experience that we're on the path and we have a plan. Now we just need all the manufacturers to get it, get on board. And when they do, we believe we'll deliver the utilization and the lies all day long because who doesn't want a pharmacy price where it's half the cost? I don't have to worry about a formula. I just formulary. I just have to worry about, you know, if it's a pain medication or a really unique, we're going to do some prior off. Other than that, let the doctor decide. And you're going to have a reasonable copay that's pretty simple to understand. So that when you walk into a pharmacy and they say it's $86 or $350 or $6 and you have no idea why, who wouldn't want that? And so, um, you know, we're committed to the process. We've got the experience and we want to do it. Those are the driving forces. And then we have the approach. So you know, we just need people to come along for the ride and, and believe in what we're saying and join that our community and, and go do this. Because I think about the legacy of healthcare in 2070, 50 years from now, whatever, and it doesn't look right. And so if you're in the industry and you know what you're doing, why not do this? Because it is the most important thing we could be doing. And, and there are people like Ralph who I just help Ralph give him the place to do it because he has all these, all this experience very strong clinical background, the relationships, um, the passion. And so um, we believe we can do it, Jonah. So keep rooting for us, all right? All right. I think we all are. <laughs> Anything to add, Ralph? Any final thoughts? No, I just echo what Mike's saying. Lots of commitment, lots of passion. He said we're, you know, eight years into this journey. We It wasn't an easy pathway to get where we are. We know it's not going to be easy to get where we need to be in the future, but um, we've, that's what we've done in our careers. So, uh, we're, we're up for the, the challenge. Well, thank you so much guys. This has been a really great conversation and, uh, and I enjoyed learning about all the work that you do. Thank you, John. Jonah. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. That concludes this episode of the Pharma Forum podcast. You can find more information about this episode, including a download link and information about other installments in the series at pharmaforum.com slash podcast. The Pharma Forum podcast is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, Stitcher, and Podme, where you can find and subscribe by searching for Pharma Forum. And don't forget to visit our website where you can sign up for daily news and analysis bulletins and to follow us on Twitter at at Pharma Forum. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.